You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday, getting towards the end of the week, but we got another podcast for you. We're going to dive into a lot of stuff with some of the newer Pelicans, the ones that came over in the trade from the Los Angeles Lakers. I've looked at Derek Favors in the past. It's time to turn our eye to those guys. We're going to start with the positions that they play, where their roles are going to be on this team. It's going to tie into something that 538 put out with some of their projections too. Then we're going to take a quick look at them in transition and in pick and roll situations in a little bit early on in the shot clock as well. What are the synergy numbers out there? What are the stats? Should these guys succeed in this system? Or do we maybe need to be a little bit more concerned? So we'll dive into all of that, then catch up on one or two other things Pelicans related as well in the third segment, and that'll be it. So let's dive into everything today in Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to remind you of the live stream coming up this Sunday around 4, 4.30 p.m. Central Time. It's going to be on Twitch, so it's interactive. You can send in your questions. We will answer them live on air. It's going to be me, two guests from Locked On Pelicans as well, and we're going to have a new setup. It's going to look a little bit more professional than just a camera right up in my face. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I hope you'll tune in. We're going to be doing these more often. That is twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake. That's Twitch. Twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake. So the other day, 538 put out their NBA projections, which is that very analytical stat-driven site that was associated with ESPN. I can't remember if they are anymore, but anyway, it's over at 538. They do have the Pelicans in the Western Conference playoffs. They are the eighth seed, which is pretty cool to be able to see and see them getting in. The problem is... Uh, So they have them doing that, by the way, with uh, where's the win total? 43 wins, 39 losses. I think that is a little bit uh, aggressive in terms of maybe the getting in with that kind of record, but I'm not going to kind of go into the methodology here. But they have them getting in, which is pretty cool to see. So with that said, the way they kind of arrive at this is by doing a minutes breakdown for this Pelicans team, trying to project what, how many minutes everyone's going to play, what position they're going to play those minutes for. And this is where it gets a little bit wonky and we can dive into some of it here. So if you want to go check it out, go do so so you can see the minute breakdown. They have Drew Holiday playing 34 minutes per game. They say he's playing 14 at point guard, nine at the shooting guard position and three at the small four. Forward position, And this is, again, where things get wonky. He's not truly playing the small forward spot. They might run a three-guard lineup, and I guess you have to call someone a small forward, but it's not like they're playing that kind of traditional role there. He might be defending small forwards that many minutes a night. It just kind of depends on the matchup. So this is, while 
data-driven, maybe imprecise with some of the stuff. They have Lonzo Ball playing 30 minutes per game, 28 at point guard, two minutes at shooting guard. Okay, it's basically those are your two lead guards. You got Zion playing 33 minutes, 24 power forward, nine at center. That makes a little bit more sense. Brandon Ingram plays 28 minutes a game, according to them, 13 at small forward, 15 at power forward. Don't know. Josh Hart plays nine minutes at at the two guard, uh, 11 minutes at the three for a total of 20. You got J.J. Redick, just 16 total minutes out there at the two-guard position. Derek Favors getting 23 minutes at the center spot. They have each one more getting 13 minutes in the backcourt. Kenrich Williams getting 13 minutes on the wing at the small forward spot. Five for Frank Jackson. Ten for Jackson Hayes. Eight for Darius Miller at the four. And then Jaleel Okafor playing six minutes at the center spot. Then they have one minute for Christian Wood, who's not even on this team. You'll notice we left out Nicolo Melli because he isn't officially signed with the team yet. Probably why they're not including him in there. So you see, this isn't exact, but it got me thinking about what some of these minutes are going to be for some of these guys. And I don't want to dive into that today in like a projected minutes rotation or anything like that. Again, Melly's not here. We're, it's going to change significantly probably by the time we get to training camp. So there's no point in trying to figure that out today. We can figure that out as the season goes on. Um, and then I have an interesting note about Melly, which we'll talk about in the third segment. So we know Drew Holiday is going to play 34 to 36 minutes in the backcourt. Let's leave it at that, in the backcourt. Lonzo Ball is going to play 30 minutes game in the backcourt. This makes a lot of sense. But it leaves fewer minutes for other guys back there too. And this is why trying to do a projection is tough right now. There's 96 total backcourt minutes between the two guard spots in a game. 48 minutes a game, two positions, 96 minutes. Those guys are pulling in 64 of them. You basically have 30 more minutes between guys like uh, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Etwan Moore, uh, and Frank Jackson. That's not a ton there. So it can create some issues. They don't even give any minutes to Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who we're sure is going to see some. But to help kind of inform this and as we go into the future, what do some of these position, these uh, these guys play in terms of position? Do they fit kind of some of what they're saying? Because if you go by the play-by-play data on basketball reference, you're not really going to see Drew Holiday playing small forward. Um, at least I don't know. Let me pull it up. I'm curious to see what they say there too. Because again, this stuff also can be a bit wonky because sometimes they just organize this by height, even if these guys aren't really truly playing that position. The old website, 82games.com, which was really useful for this sort of stuff, said that. So yeah, they're saying Drew Holiday last year. Oh no, that's the playoffs. Sorry. Where is it? Regular season is what we want. Play by play. They're saying he played 28% of his time at small forward. That he was in a three-guard lineup. He's not a small forward. So that's where some of this stuff gets wonky, I think, a little bit um, and is a little bit inexact. Brandon Ingram, for his career, 73% of the time at the small forward spot, 13% of the time at the two-guard, and then 13% of the time at the four. Last season, the breakdown was 34 two-guard, 47 small forward, 19 power forward. So he can play there, but the majority of his minutes so far in his career, not to say that it won't change, do not come in the front court. He comes in on the wing or the back court. Makes sense to maybe use him as that kind of point forward in the small forward role or in a power forward role, and maybe he'll get there in a small lineup, but you guys get what I'm saying. Lonzo Ball basically is entirely a point guard. It goes 99-1 and 
is the breakdown there for the three positions. Last year, it was 98% at the point guard position, just 2% at the two guard spot. Nothing at small forward. His rookie year played 2% of his minutes at the small forward position. Josh Hart, a little bit tricky too, because he has kind of a big breakdown. But again, this might just be done according to height. For his career, it goes 6% point guard, 57% two guard, 36% small forward, and 1% at power forward. Yeah, he's a little undersized there. So this is a guy who last year goes 10, 59, 30, and 1, primarily plays on the wing too, primarily in the backcourt, not in that small forward spot. But again, you can play him in a three-guard lineup. So I think it kind of means these guys are all going to be fluid in what they're doing. This is positional versatility kind of at its finest, and it makes trying to figure out a minutes rotation absolutely maddening to try and do. It's not easy when you break this down. You've got 96 minutes in the backcourt, 48 minutes at the small forward spot, and then 96 minutes in the front court for a total of 240. In the backcourt, it's tough when you figure that you are going to see Josh Hart there. Maybe Brandon Ingram's at the two at times, along with Drew Holiday, alongside Lonzo Ball. You want to probably get some minutes for Frank Jackson after that good summer league game that he had. Nikhil Alexander-Walker probably wants to get some minutes in the backcourt too. It's tough to find. And then you kind of look on the wing, which is maybe the the weakest position for the Pelicans. You've got Kenrich Williams who can get some minutes there. And he's primarily played his whole career so far at small forward, even if he maybe has the skill set to be a bit of a power forward. But I don't think you see him do a ton of it there. And I'd be curious to see if that changes with him guarding and going and being guarded by bigger guys with his rebounding being as good. It kind of fits that small forward spot. And the same for Darius Miller who can play the three or the four too. It's tough to figure out a rotation right now. And we haven't even talked about Melly. We know Frank Jackson's there. I also think Okafor is going to get more minutes than Hayes will, at least to start the year in the front court in that center spot. So it's a bit of a mess. So we'll break down that more, but I wanted you guys to hear where these guys tend to play and see how kind of fluid everything is. Not positionless basketball per se, but not really looking at it now in the same five positions like we've seen before. So we're going to look at how these guys fare by different play types and see how they'll fit into the Pelicans offense in just a minute here. But before we do that, I want to let you know about Postmates if you don't already. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, basically whatever kind of delivery service all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving locked on listeners $100, $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app from your app store, use the promo code locked on and take advantage of this offer. All right, so how do some of these new Pelicans do in various play types that are tracked according to NBA.com stats? And I'm just going to pull for the most recent year. And we'll start with Lonzo Ball, and we'll go through a couple, I think, that are the most important ones that you're really going to see for the team, starting with transition. This has been a chunk of his offense, runs it almost 23% of the time. This stuff, by the way, again, limited. The data is not limited. It's got you got to put it in context. This is how a play ends. So with a field goal attempt, a turnover, or a shooting foul, basically, and they get sent to the line. If you start to run, say, a pick and roll, and then pass it out to an open shooter, J.J. Redick in the corner, let's say, with Lonzo Ball as the ball handler. He's driving, he kicks it out. It's not going to go down as a tracked pick and roll. It's going to be J.J. Redick for a spot-up possession, 
or catch and shoot possession. So that's kind of the where some of this data is limited. It only tracks things on how the plays end. Now, it can be a measure of efficiency somewhat and track that for you on when the play does end. And I think you can kind of see some of this, and this does match up with a lot of the eye tests. So Lonzo Ball, in transition, 23% of his offense, doesn't rank that great, actually, in the 18.2 percentile, so 18th percentile, just 0.94 points per possession. Not great, and you'd have liked to have seen this been a little bit higher. Now, I think part of that might just be you put him in the system and maybe he just feels a little bit more comfortable, and he should be pretty good in the half court for New Orleans, but he turns the ball over at a high rate in transition, 22%. He doesn't get fouled at all or go to the line for an and one whatsoever, shoots well in it, but it's those other things that I think really kind of hurt him with that. So there's a lot of room for improvement here, and this is going to be the case for all of his scoring offense. He's not great all around. He's a little bit better in isolation, ranking in the 64th percentile. This isn't a huge part of his offense, though, but he's doing that on a worse points per shot than in transition, nine point, or sorry, 0.93. This is one of those things. He doesn't even have one and one, by the way, in isolation this past year. Shows you how scared he is of getting fouled and going to the line um, and why it's such a small part of his offense because he probably needs to get to the rim and score, and he doesn't really like doing it. It's under 5% of when plays and with the ball in his hands. So not much per game. Percentiles better, but he's not efficient at that. Going forward, pick and roll ball handler. This is something that's actually kind of low around the league. You would think the ball handlers in pick and roll might be more effective. In general, they're not. He ranks in the 21st percentile with this. This is almost a quarter of his offense, though. 0.69 points per possession. So very, very low. Again, turns the ball over at a high rate, 18.4%. Doesn't get fouled, doesn't go to the line because he's scared to. And tries to kind of get out of this situation. If you look at it in terms of field goals attempted per game in the pick and roll, it's just 2.4 attempts. It's not a lot. That's... Not great. So you'd like to see that be a little bit higher. This is going to be a staple of the Pelicans offense when they are playing in the half court. What about some of the stuff off ball, though? Does he do a little bit better there? Maybe off cuts, which tend to have a pretty good scoring percentage on 46 percentile form. So again, not great. Right in the lower part of the middle. 5.2 percent of his offense does score 1.27 points per possession. So there's potential for him to show some talent working off ball. If he can get sprung and then get the ball on a cut and score at the rim, maybe that's a little bit easier. But again, his trouble scoring around the rim and getting there, I think, is the really big issue. We've looked at drives with him in the past under five per game, sorry, under six per game. That's not going to get it done. You need to see more aggression from him, and it just kind of really shows up in all of the numbers. And I think those for him are some of the more important statistical categories. So what about some of these other guys here? What about Brandon Ingram? So let's go through it again by the numbers. Brandon Ingram in transition, 72nd percentile. So better, 1.2, or sorry, 1.22 points per possession, almost uh, 19% of his offense. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much as before. Does get shooting fouls on this. Does get and one. So he goes to the line about 20% of the time. That's pretty good. 
you know, and those numbers should just go up. You know, the percentile you'd like to maybe see a little bit higher for him to thrive. But this is a guy who kind of does a little bit better work in the half court in a slower style of play. Um, and you see that in isolation. Again, not the most efficient way to play anymore, but he's in the 80th percentile of isolation of all NBA players. Point, or sorry, not point, one point per possession, does this a little over 14% of the time, gets the free throw line 16.4% of the time that he's in isolation there, turns it over a little bit higher than you'd like, but that's, what are you going to do, I guess, Um, but does get fouled, does get and ones, that's pretty good, and in isolation scores over 50% of the time he has the ball, hence the exact one number right there, so overall pretty good, and that means maybe he can be that guy with the second unit to be a bit of a go-to score. As the pick and roll ball handler, not the best in the 42nd percentile, 0.79 points per possession, he does this about a little bit over a quarter of the time of his offense. Um, turns the ball over higher than you'd like about 15% of the time as well. But again, does get foul, does go to the free throw line there. So he kind of makes up for all of that, but he's average at best. He's better of being a facilitator by his shot creation than it is out of a pick and roll type of situation. Um, He doesn't really work as a screener and a roll man either. So you're not going to really see him there. So we're not looking at that. Um, But what about some of the other play types? What about cuts and working off ball and this is where you can get kind of excited 86 percentile there 1.46 points per possession doesn't do it a ton but really does well and doesn't turn the ball over in this. So there's potential for him to work really well off ball. And if you put a bunch of creators around him and a guy like um, Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball, he should be able to thrive and succeed pretty well. So I think those are kind of the key areas to look at with Brandon Ingram. Again, he's much better in isolation than probably anyone else on the Pelicans. Um, And he can be that go-to scorer and has the ability to create his own shot. So in the half court, when they're not running, this is a guy that they're going to really look towards. And let's not forget about new fan favorite Josh Hart. Where does he fit into the mix? In transition, he does it a lot and has for the past year with the Los Angeles Lakers. Not in the highest percentile, the 43rd, 1.08 points per possession, but this is almost a third of what he does. Uh, The year before that with him, which I think is more important to look at his rookie year before he kind of slumped a little bit his sophomore year, he was in the 62nd percentile at 1.19 points per possession. I think that's kind of key with all of the numbers for him. Also, it just looks a little bit better that way. So he can play in transition. He does it a lot over 30% of his time two years ago too. And I think that's kind of worth really looking at with him. The other area that you're really looking at with him though, is the spot up shooting and maybe working off ball a little bit. His spot up numbers from last season are okay. He's a guy who was in the 44th percentile of spot-up situations, 0.96 points per possession, had an E-field goal percentage of 50.3. You'd like that to be a little bit higher since this really factors in three-point shots. And this is done on maybe about 30% of his offense or so. You go back a year before that, 
it's a significantly better actually 84.4 percentile on almost 35 percent of his offense with an e-field goal percentage of 58.7 he was hitting threes left and right it's 1.15 points per game so it's shown if you look at the numbers from two years ago he's a very good spot up shooter who's got experience getting out and running in transition which kind of fits what his role likely is going to be with this team next year So we'll look at these guys more specifically tomorrow and then next week as well with what they'll do offensively. But I wanted to get some of the basic numbers out of the way for you all. So before we get to the next segment where we just kind of recap some quick news here around the Pelicans, some guys leaving and saying some really nice things. Maybe not the big man that you were expecting. However, I do want to mention again the live stream coming up this Sunday. Sometime between 4 and 4.30 is when we'll get started. A brand new setup. Going to have some guests with me. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one. We have some very fun segments planned. We're going to talk about all of the topics you want to hear as well. You'll be able to chime in live during the show as well and chat with some of the other watchers too there in the Twitch chat. So it's going to be a lot of fun, very interactive. We should be doing these regularly with a rotating cast of guests around me. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to set your timers, your clocks, whatever, for Sunday, 4 p.m. Central. It's going to be on twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake. So just some quick news on the Pelicans and other things going on with the team here. The team officially waived Chuck Diallo the other day. He then signed with the Phoenix Suns yesterday on a two-year deal. Really good for him. A very fun guy, energetic guy, really likable guy too. And it's nice to see him latch on a place where he should hopefully get some minutes and can continue his NBA career. Posted a really nice thing on Twitter yesterday evening saying, quote, three years ago, I came to New Orleans without knowing a soul. I'm now leaving this beautiful city with many friends and great memories. Thank you for taking in this young man from Mali and showing him love, great food, and amazing music. The city and the great Pelicans organization helped me grow into the man I am today. Thank you so much to my wonderful teammates, my supportive coaches, the fans, and the great city of New Orleans. End quote. I don't know. That's just classy and nice. Like, I want to root for this guy. I'm kind of upset now that he's not on the team, even though we could very clearly see his basketball limitations. Fouling was an issue. The IQ and recognition an issue. But he gave you 100% effort. He could, you know, run the floor well. So going to kind of be sad to see him go after the nice thing that he said. Uh, David Griffin also on another podcast continuing the media tour that he's been on recently which is really cool to see and being transparent and open about the things he's hoping to accomplish here was on with Howard Beck of um, I forget where he's with but that's the podcast the full 48 is the name of it the biggest takeaway I have of that is something that David Griffin has said before and he said he was excited when LeBron said hey I'm coming back to Cleveland basically his first year there and then was like oh crap and was kind of stressed out about it, saying that's not how he wanted to build a team, not organically, not from the ground up, because he had to kind of deal with winning right now around LeBron James. It's a good problem to have, but not ultimately what he wanted to do. I think that's got to maybe be one of the reasons why he partially, you know, was it was a mutual parting of ways in Cleveland, because he didn't want to keep going, and they'd kind of hit the end of the road with everything they were looking to do. It's really cool to see him 
what he's trying to accomplish here and build that organically in New Orleans. So that's the two biggest pieces of news today for New Orleans. We're hitting that slow period in the NBA. So thank you all for listening to the podcast. Don't forget the live stream Sunday, 4 p.m., twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.